Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. My name's Tim Doyle, and this is Project Sports. Enjoy the show. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the Celtics first, okay? So let's let's open up the show with that. So welcome to the show, Projectors. There's no way. I have two guests on the show tonight. A third one just dropped in. And that There's would be no way. Jake McCracken who's trying to crash the show, which is which is totally fine. But uh, Brian and Caleb, welcome to the Katie, show. No way. But we're about to talk about the Celtics, and Jake Thank just you. wants Thank to tra- trample all over this in his windstorm that's behind him on a microphone as he walks outside for God knows what. I'm not really sure what he's heroic. Doing. Hero- <laughs> heroic march. For what? What are you heroic marching? I'm walking. I'm walking for the vets. Oh, okay. So you're walking for me. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs> you're, you're ragging on me. <laughs> Sucking up to the host. Oh, yeah, now all, I'm walking all backwards. Support. All the I'm support. I'm trying to get... Trying to fix the wind. I'm walking backwards. All right. I think that's enough Shout of you. All right. I just, I just got rid of him. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> so we got, <laughs> we got Katie and the Celtics. <laughs> I, I got to agree with Jake here. It's not happening. It's Ke- I you're let's let's just dive right into it. Kevin Durant. I, I know the rumors came out the other day. Uh, the Celtics, from what I heard, they put in an offer a couple of months ago, and it involved Jalen Brown. Uh, and the Nets came back and said, "We want Marcus Smart too." And I just don't see a world where this happens unless the Nets lower their prices or realize that no one else wants him, which I can't believe to be true. Um, I just don't see how a team that went to the NBA Finals this year and gave the Warriors a good run for their money um, would want to trade away the Defensive Player of the Year and one of their core players on both sides of the ball. Um, For me, I don't think they should do it if they have to give up both of those players, and I don't think it'll happen because I think Brad Stevens has a little bit more confidence and pride in what he's already built. So that's that's like my general take on the matter. We can dive into a little bit more. What do you guys think? I'm for where, yeah, I'm kind of in that, that camp too, and especially because I've talked so much crap over KD in the past couple of years. So I'd seem like a, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't say any possibility of me wanting KD to come here because it's just like you got Jalen Brown who's at a younger age. You got two young stars who haven't even hit their peak. You were a couple games of winning the NBA Finals, away from winning the NBA Finals. I think you roll the dice and you roll again with the team that you have. And adding the team's already Brogdon. better. Yeah, it's already better with the trade that you yeah. made with the Pacers. So, um, And I just think the number one reason where I begin and end with KD is I get that he's a top five player in the league, um, I but the toxicity that comes with it and how he – what he brings to the table is much like Kyrie, and I don't know. Like all of a sudden, in a year, it doesn't work out here, and he wants to get out again and go somewhere else. It's just it's too much drama. Where you have a couple of guys who you know pretty much keep quiet. Jalen, you know, flexes and says that he wants to you know be you know get a bigger contract, get, probably get the supermax and all that stuff. But you still don't know. You still got two years left on his deal. I say you roll the dice and you you go again with these guys. I mean, these two guys just beat their ass. They beat Kyrie and KD. So I yeah. say you go again, Caleb. You. You, you got a, a hot take on this or kind of even kill with us? Yeah, I I definitely disagree. I think they may, I think they should make the trade if they have the opportunity to. I don't know if um, – I think the price is probably a little too steep. I do agree with that. But if they have a chance 
to give up Jalen and some picks and maybe some other pieces. I think they I think they offered Derek White was the initial offer. Yeah, but I think if yeah, the price could come Celtics, down, like if they got to give up right, Jalen pack- Brown, the package, I get it. Yeah, package centered around Jalen Brown. That's not obviously the main piece. And especially now, because I don't know if you guys saw Jalen's tweet when this all these rumors started. He just tweeted SMH. And I don't know. I feel yeah. like they just soured that relationship with Jalen. And he's it's almost like you have to trade him now because he knows he's being shopped. And that could just, you know, make up some issues for when when they're trying to re-sign him to that max contract or whatever. He, he may not even want to be in Boston anymore at that point. So... Yeah, but I feel don't like you, you KD don't for you, four don't years, you, the next come on, four years. Don't you feel like they can both come into, they're not even in their prime yet, and they could both be coming into their own. And if, and if let's say next year, let's say you win the NBA Finals. Now you got two young guys who are probably most likely sign extensions, and you feel more comfortable with that because they just won a championship here, and they're going to attract players as opposed to you roll the dice with KD, who's older, and now you got one star, you win a championship, with KD, let's say both work out, right? And then you've got an older star and a younger star. I would rather the two stars, obviously it's Kevin Durant, like I get it. You sound cha- like chaotic if you don't want Kevin Durant to come to your team, but I've I've liked the way that they've built this and I don't like KD as a person, so I'm gonna let it, I can't risk what happened here with Kyrie. And we all got on board, we bought yeah. the tickets, we're like, yes, we're gonna have a championship with Hayward and Kyrie, and then nothing panned out. So here we are again, it's like, all right, well, everything seems to be building nicely, they get better and better every year. Jalen Brown comes back every year, he just dominated in the finals as far as the only Celtic, you know? He would've won the NBA Finals uh, MVP if, if the Celtics had won. You were so close, keep going with the same team that you got. Just, just my yeah, take. Yeah, I think, just like the, the, the look of the team right now, you got the defensive player of the year and two very young, talented players in Brown and Tatum that are Tatum, obviously one of the best players in the league at this point when he's on his game. And Brown is just such an all around great player. They're all 28 or younger. Smart being 28, like he's the old one out of the three. And uh, I mean, if if this team were one piece away and you had to give up brown to get a kevin durant to maybe put you over the top i would say go for it and if if you can keep either brown or smart and still give up some picks or something or some other players maybe make that deal i agree with you caleb like if the price comes down a little bit kevin durant's a player that you want on your team and he can set you over the top but i think they already have the core and they these guys proved this year that even though they were kind of uh in the back of people's minds are counted out a little bit in the beginning of the year. They rallied. They beat some teams that they weren't supposed to beat. Uh, They made light work of some guys that have beaten them in recent years in the playoffs. And then, honestly, they got the two best teams in the finals, and it was a really good series. I think if you replay that series seven games, there's every chance that the Celtics win. Um, It's, I don't, the Warriors were a great team. They deserved it, but I don't think it's that big of a difference where you have to, sacrifice your youth and your core to go after a guy like Kevin Durant at this point. I don't feel they have to make that trade. Um, I I kind of get it if they do, but I don't think that it's something that's like really necessary. So, um, yeah, I Some, uh, I get it if they think, can make a smart deal, but I don't I don't think it's something that they have to go out and do. Go ahead, Caleb. Yeah, I think I think we mostly agree. I I think where I differ a little bit is I think KD will put them over the top and make them 
the clear favorites to win it, not just make the finals, but to win the title next year with KD. But and I think at this point, because the rumors got out, if they kept it close, you know, kept it inside and didn't let the rumors get out, and Jalen didn't find out that he was being shopped, then fine. But now that he found out, I, I just feel like he's gonna. I don't know. That kind of sours the relationship between the Celtics and Jalen, and that. At yeah, this point, you're gonna to have you're basically gonna have a Ky- you're gonna have another Kyrie where he, Kyrie didn't they didn't trade him he just didn't resign he just said like bye and left in free agency, where what KD you're gonna have him deal? for four you know? years, I think he I think he got, uh I'm not sure he might have two years I'm not sure well, are, I do know but, that but KD has you, four four years yeah left. but are you gonna have KD for four years because he's on that same contract with Brooklyn. And he's you know was there for but a he year and now he's Brooklyn, pi- he's pounding his chest. Yeah, Saying I want out. Brooklyn, then he doesn't. He doesn't. The, so, Brooklyn doesn't have to trade him. They but this, to, yeah, this is. They don't have to do This that. is going to be one of my other points. Is I feel like at the end of the day, this is could be a move that that's where the leak came from, so that they either can show KD it's not going to work other places because you're going to either destroy a team or go with the Celtics, which they're not going to end up making the deal. So you're stuck here with us, and that's why some of that leaked, and maybe the because this. It's been a month since this has been since KD requested a trade, right? Yeah. And so now this leaks out. You know, did this did this uh, trade and counter that happen a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Who knows? I mean, they're getting their information is from Woj. There's a lot of, you know, big people in this giving us the information. But how how do we know really what came from what and where? But like, the whole Jalen Brown portion of it, I don't know how they're going to recover from it. That is a big issue. But at the same time, I don't know. Brown should just be flattered by it, dude. Like, you're being traded for KD, and the Brooklyn Nets want you as part of the trade package. Like, you know, take it as, like, a flattering thing that you're even in that type of trade talks as a, a, a young prospect yeah, but to lead I, a team. I, the rumors were that the Celtics shot them. The Celtics made the offer. Yeah, I don't believe it, yeah. though. So I, that's, I, I don't believe it. I mean, uh, I, no, I, I, I believe, I believe that they, they made, made I believe that they made the offer, the Celtics, because that's what the, the story in the report says, for sure. But I think the leaks came from the Brooklyn side. And I think they came oh, on, sure. on oh, yeah. purpose from that side. Sure. And I, I, I think that's kind of irrelevant. Like, the leaks, whoever it came out, it came out. And now that, that could just, you know, sour that relationship, like I was saying, where he's, he may not want to be there in two years. And he does have two years left. Yeah. I, just, I just checked. Well, so, if they, you know, yeah, I, don't know. I would be like, listen, the only scenario I'd be okay with KD coming here is if, like, we find out from Jalen and the Celtics and the Celtics say, hey, he told us he didn't want to be here anymore and he's not going to resign in two years, then, like, Caleb, then I'm with you on your side. But if that's not the case and there's a chance, even a small chance to resign Jalen Brown and he wants to stay here, then I, I say you don't do the deal. I mean, yeah. that's where we're kind of. I'm just reading between the lines with his tweet. Obviously, yeah, of course. It may, I mean, yeah. it may not be anything. Yeah. Just tweeting, like, shaking uh, my head. You're reading between the Could letters, be. not the lines. Shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so this yeah, kind of... Smart's, Smart's on a brand new contract, too, so they're, they're like, you know, they still have a relatively young core. Um, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. Jalen Brown is probably the only player on the team where you could justify putting up for auction, so to speak, to grab a bona fide superstar. Um, Smart probably, even though he's a defensive player of the year, probably doesn't hold enough stock to really go out and get a player like KD's value alone, unless you're going to bet the farm completely. Um, and obviously you're not going to give up Tatum. So it's uh, it's tough. I think Brown is kind of like yeah. that guy that's like, 
you're either gonna ride or die with him, and so it's definitely. Um, yeah, there's, it's there's uh, no it's, deal it's without Brown. No, for sure. No, no I don't think sure. so. All right, so this kind of wraps yeah. up into our next topic as we're uh, going to lean heavily on the Warriors uh, are going to repeat for the next year's NBA Finals. And it kind of involves the Celtics, too. Do we think that the Warriors can just automatically repeat with the age and one more year with all three of those guys getting older and the pieces around them? Is it going to be an easy road for them, or do we see the Suns in the West or the L.A. Lakers get better or, and or the Celtics or Bucks being able to contend against them in the finals and actually the Celtics mature over that. Do we see them repeating or is the, the field going to, you know, take that from them? What's your guys' thoughts on this? Where is repeat? Yeah. Um, I mean, they certainly can. Uh, on paper, they have one of the best teams in the NBA. Uh, they've got the core together still. Um, I don't really think they're losing any major pieces next year. Um, so I mean, uh, who would who would be bet, who would be betting against them would be a foolish man. But at the same time, uh, you know, there's a lot of crazy things that can happen. The Celtics also, if if Jalen Brown doesn't go anywhere, or even if they add KD, how do you how do you look at them and say that they're any worse? Um, so there's you know for sure the Celtics in the East um, will always I think be. Uh, assuming nothing too crazy happens, they'll be a contender for sure. Um, and then, you know, there were a few other teams like the Lakers and the Suns out west that um, I think, you know, how, how do you really bet against LeBron James if he gets hot at the right time? Mm. Uh, even though he's getting a little older, he's one of the best of all time. It's like, uh, <laughs> you know, how do you bet against Tiger on Sunday type of thing? I don't care how old he is. Uh, or how do you get bet against Brady at 40, 44, 45? You know, it, he's one of those guys that if he gets hot at the right time, that team starts to sink in, in the right time of the year. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough out there. But, yeah, I think that the Warriors on paper are probably still the best. I think that they should open the year as uh, probably favorites or pretty damn close to favorites, top two or three teams in the league, um, especially if they all stay healthy. Um, like I think Clay had some injury trouble last year, uh, from what I hear. I'm not a huge Celtics uh, NBA guy, but um, yeah, it'd be tough to bet against him from where I'm sitting. Okay, Caleb, what's your thoughts? Well, I guess I wouldn't. I would pick the field over the Warriors right now for them to ah, okay. I think they're probably they're they're probably the favorites, but I don't know if like the odds of them winning it is you know over fifty percent or whatever. I would. I think some teams in the West are going to be better next year, um, especially with the rumors of like Kyrie going to the Lakers. That could change things up a lot. And I really feel like uh, if the Clippers can stay healthy, they're going to be really good with their two superstars, Paul George and, Ky- and uh, Kawhi. It's but they just point. got to stay healthy, which, obvi- which obviously hasn't happened for the, in the past couple of years. So, yeah. And then on the on the East, Milwaukee's probably still going to be right up there with the Celtics. They, they didn't have Middleton in the playoffs, so that was a big miss. Yes. Having him back is going to be very, uh, yeah, a lot better for them. Um, yeah, the window yeah. So is closing more more than it's, and then it's, uh, we're not in the midpoint of the Warriors. I, I think that it's kind of closing. Yeah? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely towards the end, yeah. If they win, I mean, I think they can win it, and they're probably the favorites to win it next year, but that doesn't mean... You know that doesn't mean I wouldn't pick like every other team over them. I think there's 
they're not like clear favorites. There's there's other teams. The Suns as well is like another team that is pretty much coming back with all their yeah. pieces. And, and the they were Suns the number got, one seed last year, so they got bounced earlier than way earlier than they ever thought too. They just yeah, they just kind of collapsed, but they lost to the Mavs. Yep. But uh, yeah, that would have been a, that would have been a good series to see the Suns versus the the Warriors. Yeah, v- next year. it's a very interesting take you guys both had on that, and I do like some of those points, especially with LeBron. You're gonna have a hungrier LeBron coming back into next year if Kyrie gets traded there. It's it's it changes the whole dynamic of the West in general, and also in Brooklyn. That will change for sure. So you're going to have an easier time in the East, and really the Celtics and Bucks will be contenders. Maybe the Raptors, who knows? But there's there's all these teams that are going to be in the hunt for it, and I think there's a lot of angry teams out there who want to be able to beat the Warriors. I think if if the Warriors do win, which you know they are the favorites for sure, um, this this will be their last year, and because I feel like more. Like LeBron has put out a lot of things publicly on his Instagram and, and other places that he's, where even during the NBA playoffs of the finals that he was just like, I'm never going to let this happen again, where he's missing games. Um, and, you know, we've, I can't even remember a time before this where we didn't see LeBron in the playoffs. So it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. So we'll see how next year goes. But I mean, hey, it would be kind of crazy to see the Warriors go at it again. I just don't, I don't think I'm going to take the field as well. I don't think that they're going to be able to pull it off and actually win another title. I think that's it. I think this was the end of the road, and I think they had a great run. They're they're a good uh, good dynasty, but that's the end. That's the end for them. Um, okay. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of seeing them win. But <laughs> Steph Curry is, whew, he's a baller. Is he better? Oh, is he better than LeBron James? He's got you know more rings. What can you say? Well, that's for well, another he, topic. If he wins another title. That's going to be a serious conversation. Yeah. If he wins another ring, but it might be same amount of rings, right? Oh, he's got the same amount right now. Four. Add it, add it, add it to the yeah, list for I future podcast okay. episodes for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. That's gonna that's gonna be an interesting one. You gotta get Luke on that one too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll save that one for another time. All right, so I guess we're gonna jump into some dynasty um, going into 2022. Uh, top fantasy picks and some trades. Uh, what we're looking into for this upcoming season. I'm new to Dynasty. These two here, Caleb and Brian, have been playing for you know a couple of years now, if not more. I've always played redraft, and now I'm just kind of dipping my toes in, getting ready. I kind of already messed up one of my teams pretty bad, but I'm going to recover. Let's go. Um, but I've joined another league, and I've kind of got a better handle on how some things work and not trade myself into a total disaster. So um, you guys, I'd call the professionals and me. i am just uh, got my training wheels on, but... Um, so maybe some top fantasy picks going into this year. Who is it? You're starting a fantasy draft, uh, some pillars, or even if you want to pick a player that someone may not be thinking of, that say, hey, this is, this is your guy that you need to be going at from either for a low price or a guy up front in, um, in your roster that you're going to need going into this year for Startup Dynasty. Any thoughts on this? Brian or Caleb, you guys can take well, it away. I hope if, uh, if anyone that's actually important out there is listening that they don't think that I'm really an expert because uh, I'd be embarrassed <laughs> at some of the takes I probably have. But I'll, I'll take being one of the experts in the room at least. Um, yeah, I, I, have, I definitely have my guys. That's like one of my I, – I get really passionate about certain players – um, certain guys are like my kind of ride or die and I have a hard time letting go of them. So I definitely have some people at different positions. Um, I guess, I mean, fantasy landscape, if we want to start at quarterback, um, I, I 
I just love Joe Burrow right now. Um, he is not quite like the top, top tier of quarterback because he's not the guy that you think of when you think about rushing quarterbacks. But, man, the swagger, the the level that he plays at, he, he can chuck the ball around the yard. Um, he had a great season last year, put up a lot of points, led his team to the Super Bowl. Um, and, man, that offense... Uh, Joe Mixon really had a coming out year. He he had shown the potential before, but obviously he had kind of missed some time with injuries and been kind of off and on, but really had a great year last year. Um, Jamar Chase, I think, exceeded everybody's expectations. I don't think anybody expected him to have exactly the year that he had, um, although everyone knew his talent. And uh, I, people still, I think, if people were talking about T. Higgins coming in last year. And I think he's still getting a little bit of talk, which is good in the fantasy circles. Um, I'm really, really high on T. Higgins this year. Um, you look at that whole offense, and it's hard not to get excited about what the Bengals could do. So so Joe Burrow, like, at quarterback, is kind of one of my sneaky, like, I'll take him later, a little bit later in the drafts um, when people are maybe focusing on guys like Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, um, even guys like uh, like Lamar Jackson still because of their legs, um, so yeah, I got a I got a few guys, but Joe Burrow still kind of stands out to me. He's a he's a guy that I kind of got on my side. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, real quick, Killer, before you jump in, absolutely, I think he he's definitely a guy who doesn't make it out of the first round. I've seen him fall to like if you're in like a twelve man league, maybe to the eight or nine spot, but he's been going in mock drafts and in real drafts right around that five, six, seven spot, especially with experienced players. But the having that offense, like you talked about, those three pieces to have Mixon, Higgins, and Chase to have the numbers they had last year, that's a really good take because this offense is going to keep going, keep keep giving you those successful points, and it's it's a good offense to look. It's like, hey, how am I going to build my team? And if you wanted to go, obviously, uh, first round, Burrow, second round, Chase, which who probably wouldn't be there, but second round Higgins. You, you can't go wrong, but you might even be able to wait to the third to get Higgins as well. But he still ends up in a you know a top twenty uh, wide receiver at, as the second wide receiver in points on his team, which is pretty amazing. So, and then Mixon is going in the first you know two rounds as well, uh, for the most part, and sometimes slips to the third. So it, it's a pretty good take. Caleb, is there any uh, sort of team focus or players that you're looking at in the top early? Yeah, I guess for Dynasty, what I'm super interested in this year is to see how the the rookie wide receivers pan out i know like these past two years we've had some like really really good yes. rookies that came onto the scene yep. with justin jefferson cd lamb jamar chase like brian was saying last year and this year we had like a i think we had a really good wide receiver class it looks like that came in a mm -hmm. lot of first round draft picks um to different teams so yeah i'm just interested to see how those guys pan out especially the top picks like Drake, London, who I know is your boy, Tim. That's my boy, yep. And um, <laughs> Wilson and uh, Chris Olave. Jameson Olave, yes, him too. That's another one of your guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris Olave, he's yeah. on my I'm, list. Chris Olave is great. Sky Moore, Christian Watson. This is a prethla yeah. of uh, wide, young wide receivers. Yeah, and, la and last year's guys too. Like, obviously, Chase broke out, but you had Elijah Moore flashed a few times. But obviously, kind of struggled with a little bit of injury and a little bit of Zach Wilson issue. Um, Amon Ra broke out at the end of the year, big time. Uh, kind of a guy that was off most people's radars, I think, for draft season anyway. 
Um, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an exciting couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Waddle. Even oh uh, Devon, um, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. He he didn't yeah. he didn't have yeah. a lot of throwing downfield like per comparative to the other rookie wide receivers, and he still did pretty well based on what he was thrown when Jalen Hurts ran the ball a lot or handed off a lot. So. It's a lot of good wide receivers. Yeah, I think if anyone's there. gonna like really surprise from this year or last year, it'll be Devontae Smith because I think relative to his draft stock and how he did in college, he sort of he he didn't perform quite as highly as some of the other guys from last year. Obviously Jamar Chase really kinda overshadowed a lot of people, but even like Jalen Waddle had a little bit, I think, better of a rookie year than Devontae Smith did. But Devontae Smith, with a little bit of attention coming away from him with the addition of AJ Brown. I think some people sometimes get scared by, oh, we get this big alpha wide receiver now, he's not going to get as much work. But I think that can open things up a lot of times, especially for a guy that's going to be kind of a little bit more of a possession receiver, I think, than A.J. Brown. Man, if if all the dominoes fall in the right way, you're going to want some Jalen Hurts and you're going to want some Devontae Smith this year, I think. Yeah, and Caleb's got Jalen Hurts in our league. He seems to he seems to like that fine young gentleman. I do have a question for you guys. What do you guys think of the Miami Dolphins offense as far as Dan, uh, dynasty points value wise and specifically Tyreek Hill? I have been weary of Tyreek Hill only because he's really became a star in KC and blew up there and played with um, Patrick Mahomes. How do we see him going with Tua and this offense? You mentioned Waddle as well. Obviously, this could affect him, but. I don't know. For me, like I just anytime Tyreek Hill is there, I don't feel like I'm taking him in any leagues or mock drafts that I'm in. I always shy away from it just because I'm like weary. I think he's like a superstar that I'm weary to take because I don't know. Do you guys feel similar to this or is he like a must grab for you? Okay, go ahead on this one. Yeah, I I kind of feel the same way. I I kind of shy away from from like drafting him. Uh, especially in Dynasty, I guess it depends because he is a little bit older. Not too much. I think he still has some elite years ahead of him. But, yeah, I guess I'm not – I don't trust Tua as much as some people do. He did uh, – Tyreek came out and said that Tua is the most accurate passer in the history of football the other day, which is kind of funny. Um, but, <laughs> I yeah, think, I don't – I don't think the QBR would uh, support that, but okay. <laughs> it would support – yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just – I don't know. I'm not a – as of right now, I hope I'm proven wrong, but I just, I'm just not a believer in Tua at the moment. So that's why I've been shying away from Tyreek. Yeah, he but makes I do me think nervous. Miami, Miami's gonna find a way to just, you know, like, like make, uh, you know, run plays specifically to get Tyreek the ball, just get him in open, open space, or get him, you know, that's what he's good at, making people miss. And, yeah, I do enjoy the way they built the offense with speed all around, with their backs to the wide yeah. receivers. That that part's pretty awesome. So. Um, and maybe it right. does bring great value, but that's going to rely heavily, heavily, heavily on Tua. So we don't know if th- yeah. if that's even possible, you know. So you know, we'll see. Right. Go- we'll see going forward how that works out. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I see a lot of similarities actually between Miami and the Eagles this year um, with Jalen Hurts and Tua. They're both uh, they're both these guys that the team has now invested uh, a, a core of players around. They've put the right I think good pieces of offensive talent in place to help them uh and they're kind of both in these like prove it years where if you don't get the job done I mean geez you had Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle or AJ Brown and Devontae Smith so they're in really similar situations I I think I have more confidence in Tua uh to be honest 
Um, I know Jalen's got the legs a little bit more than Tua does, but um, I, I, I do understand that there's some level of hype coming from players and coaches around someone like Tua just to pump them up a little bit. But I also don't think a player like Tyreek needs to go out of his way to say something unless it's true, unless he feels it's necessary for some reason. Um, it may not be that he is the most accurate quarterback in history, but maybe Tyreek feels that uh, Tua is not quite getting the, the respect he deserves. And he just wants to come out and let people know, like, look, like this guy's a good quarterback. Um, and maybe he comes out and does it a little bit more strongly than we agree with. But um, I, I'm actually c- kind of quietly excited about Tua this year. I'm not necessarily targeting him in any of my drafts, except for maybe uh, Superflex or two quarterback leagues as a nice second quarterback. But um, but I, I have some confidence in them. I think, uh, I think when Tyreek says that, that uh, the 2019 Chiefs offense and this Dolphins offense are the same offense, is some slight differences there, but it's not that far off, I don't think. Um, I think that uh, they've put a really good offensive core together, and they get they get some guys at running back they, that need maybe a little bit of a redemption story, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert. Um, they get some guys there that, um, you know, behind a decent line and a good scheme uh, with, um, uh, what's the coach over there now? Um, Dolphins head coach. Um, forget his name off the top of my head. But uh, Mike McDaniel. Yeah, Mike coming, McDaniel. Yep. Coming from the, the Kyle Shanahan system, I mean, look, the NFL, at, at a certain extent, is all about systems. I'm no expert here, but you look at a guy that studied under Shanahan and worked with him for a while, and then you see he's got Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert's there for a reason. I don't know if he's going to be the guy, but he if he's not the guy... He's the guy in the locker room that's going to tell Chase Edmonds exactly what he needs to know to run Mike Daniels' offense. And so if they can hit a little bit at running back, they got some scary pieces there all of a sudden. Um, so I I am sort of quietly excited about Miami. They're the type of team that I definitely want to make sure I have a little piece of in my draft, but I'm not necessarily targeting anyone. Um, Ty, I agree with your take about Tyreek. Like when he's there at the back of the first, early second, I'd rather have someone else, um, you know, a, a second running back or a, or even like a Mike Evans type of guy who I've seen who's proven it year and year and year after year. Um, so it is a little bit of a trepidatious situation, but I still find myself wanting a piece because I have to believe that there could be something special there. Yeah, I think Jalen Waddle would is definitely that piece too because it's like, okay, I get the young receiver who could – over many years, he gets a new quarterback down the line. If it doesn't work out, or if it does, you win, 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 you know? And so, I, yeah, I'm there too. So I, f- I feel like that the uh, the offense, the Miami Dolphins, you know, it's just going to be a waiting game to see. It, it's a prove it, you know, part of it. I, I, I'm excited to see if it works out too, especially fantasy-wise and how that kind of develops. But I'm on the end where I, I, I won't believe it. If they go through training camp and then you start hearing reporters and other people coming out of Miami saying those types of things that it looks like the Chiefs offense, like Tyreek Hill is saying, then I'd believe it. I never believe anything a wide receiver says, especially ones that talk a lot and try to boast in confidence, which he's doing great by his team and teammates. But we'll see what the real deal is here down the line, especially during preseason. Um, I have a question for you guys. Sure, sure. Go ahead. Go for it. 
Let me, uh, Brian, go ahead for a second, because this is going to change the topic a little bit. Okay. So go ahead. No, it was just like a little bit of a, it's, uh, I always, I always look in fantasy drafts, especially redraft for players that are uh, a part of a good offense that are like cheap pieces where there's some unknown. Um, and so like the, the Dolphins running backs for, for me this year have been one of them. Um, you can pretty much find Raheem Mostert on the waiver wire in Dynasty Leagues for the most part. And Chase Edmonds is probably owned in Dynasty Leagues, but in redraft, I think those guys are going to be um, some of the last starting running backs drafted. So it's a really nice uh, kind of just stick them in there as a third or fourth running back at the end of your draft or in the middle to end of your draft and just see what happens. Because if that team comes out and is a good offense, man, you're going to love that pick that you picked in the eighth, ninth round. Uh, where other people were paying up for guys like, I don't know, J.K. Dobbins, who may not even start the year healthy. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing that I got my eye on is that Dolphins backfield, just to kind of add one of those guys late when I can. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great point. Caleb, to you, what's going on? What's your question? So my question, and this is a little bit not fantasy football related, but to both of you who are Patriots fans. I knew, this was, I knew this was coming. <laughs> Are the Patriots going to be last in their division this year? Well, we did. We did. Uh, I did uh, play around <laughs> with this in the group chat. Yes. Um, um, I think. Right, I think no. No, not this year. And I'll tell you why. Um, I think. I think the Jets and the Dolphins are very exciting. I'm going to give the Bills the best team in the division moniker at the start of the season, at least right now. Um, they're the most talented overall, I think, at uh, the core positions that you need to have a good, successful football team. They've proven they have good coaching. Sean McDermott's a great coach. Um, and they've, they've demonstrated that they can make a championship run. Um, and so I'm not going to take that away from them. But the Dolphins and the Jets, I just think the, the Patriots have a little bit, just enough, in the coaching, in the defense, to pull off a couple of victories that they're going to need throughout the course of the year to edge them out. Now, next year could be a totally different story if Mac Jones does not end up as a franchise quarterback like we hope we, that he will. Um, you know, Belichick just came out today and said, dramatic improvement. I have to believe that he does not use words lightly, period, and, and stop. Um, and so I, I do believe that he will take a step forward this year and he will help his team be better than they were last year. But um, I can totally paint a picture where they're not. But I still think that just based on all, all the success and the experience, some of the guys they still have around, specifically Belichick and how he runs his teams, I can't see how they're the worst team in that division this year just because I think that the Jets and the Dolphins are still trying to put it together and figure it out. Uh, but I could be—I I wouldn't be totally shocking if the Patriots ended up last in the division. It would suck, and it would not be fun. But I—I I just don't see it quite happening. I think it's going to be one of the best divisions in football, if that's not too bold to say. Because um, I think both of those teams, the Jets and the Dolphins, will surprise and upset people that they should not beat on paper this year. But uh, I think they just need another year to really put it together. Okay. So that's kind of my take. Okay, on it. Caleb, you ready for my answer? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, Listen. Are win the Super Bowl? <laughs> Absolutely not. 
Um, <laughs> step in the right direction with Mac Jones, absolutely. Going into year two, Mac Jones is literally what I'm excited about. I can't, I can't name anyone who's going to be playing linebacker for the New England Patriots. Okay, uh, there's a lot of holes. The coaching system is kind of weird at this point with not having the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator named. Obviously, it could just be Bill dinking around, bringing back all of his own people to the show from previous years and just messing with the media. He came out in his press conference today and said, yeah, we don't have names and titles around here. At the same time, we watched our fat boy that went all the way to Detroit and screw that whole organization up in the Detroit, Detroit Lions and Matt Patricia. And I'm just not, I'm not a fan of the direction that we're going in. I do like the Devontae Parker pickup. And our offense, I'm feeling quite optimistic. And if we go toe-to-toe, I have very little faith right now in the defense. We went from having a decent year at the end of the year, and then in the playoffs, we could not even make the Bills punt one time. Not one time. And I can't even name a linebacker right now who's going to be the guy who's going to lead this team. And maybe there's a plan in place, but I am definitely more on the negative side of the Patriots. It's more likely for them to come in last place than it is for them to finish in second. And if they're on that third or fourth tier and not making the playoffs, they could very well see themselves on the bottom of the table 100%. And I think that the Jets had probably the best draft that they've ever had in their entire existence. And I hope I'm wrong, and maybe I am being a little bit pessimistic and maybe listening to too much sports radio, whatever, but this is how I feel because I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing the product. We just let go Nikhil Harry as a first-rounder to another team for a seventh-round pick two years from now. or Yeah, two years Good from riddance. now. It, it, I just see a lot of bad things happening that used to be covered up by who? Tom Brady. And now that he's gone, things have gone astray. I'm sick and tired of uh, not winning. And I hope there's massive changes. I just don't think it's going to come this year. I I'm, I'm really don't know how this is going to pan out. I could be wrong. I, uh, I'll need to see the first couple of games. But I could see us being in last place in the division yeah. more likely than we, being in we second. Could, we could talk about this all night. I'm positive. Uh, <laughs> but this is, this is the way I look at it. Uh, coming into like this time last year, I think most people assumed that Cam Newton would be the starting quarterback of the Patriots week one because we had not played any preseason games yet. There were no decisions made on quarterback. We knew Mac Jones would fight for the job, but he was not announced as a starter yet. When the Patriots announced Mac Jones as the starter, my thoughts initially went to, we're going to be among the bottom half of teams. We're not going to make the playoffs. And we finished 10-7, and and we made the playoffs. And I thought that even though we didn't play like... I would like my Patriots to play in that game against Buffalo. It was a terrible game, one of the worst games I've ever watched as a Patriots fan. We still finished 10-7, and and we lost to one of the best offenses in football. It was terrible. I agree. We need There's work that we have to do there. I agree with you on the linebackers and everything like that. But I think you have to kind of take it, take your chops, take it for what it's for what it really is. It was it was a rebuilding year for the Patriots last year. And to go to the playoffs at 10-7 and seven in a, quote, rebuilding year, it's not too bad. Um, so I think that the, the floor, if you set the floor around the same level as what we finished last year and just match that, even if we don't end up in the playoffs, if we're about a 10-7 and seven team again and Mac Jones shows signs of improvement anyway, good. Um, I'll take that. But 
um, yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, it's a it's it's going to be a very telling year. I think this this year uh, could be could be kind of a I guess a, a a pivotal year, if you will, in the Patriots organization because last year the expectations are low with a rebuilding team with a rookie quarterback, but now you kind of expect to see improvement. So if you don't see improvement what happens next year that's what i'm really curious about is can we improve on last year and is bill on the hot seat <laughs> well you know i just yeah no i'm 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 a little bit more negative i can't i can't uh, justify i mean i just just put your big boy pants on we could be in another rebuilding year and it might not go the way i feel like a lot of those games at the end of the year went and you know it is a bill belichick run team maybe they pull some out and they get to that 10 and 7 level again maybe we have a first round exit but who, who knows? I just think that the last four or five drafts have really caught up with us, and it's, it's about to show even more in the second year. But like you said, I will be positive about it, Brian. It's a very good point. <laughs> I'm, if I'm Mac shocked. Jones, I'm yeah, you should be shocked. Mac Jones, if he does improve, I obviously I'll be happy. If I see our offense working well, we then we know going into the draft next year, defense, defense, defense. Let's let's draft. You know, get some young guys in here, make some splashes. I mean, I'll be okay with that for sure. But it's tough to, you know, offensive lineman for Chattanooga. Jeez Louise. I never heard this much negativity come from your mouth about a Boston team. Losing losing does stuff to you, Caleb. (laughs) Yeah, you don't know what that feels like, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm starting to, you know, last time. I I do have a good bit of, like, in Bill we trust in me because, like, I remember a couple times, like, I remember when, when we traded Lawyer Malloy and it was like, this is one of the most impactful players we have in the secondary. We're a, a contender. We're, we're, you know, in our prime. We got a dynasty going on here. How can you trade away Lawyer Malloy? Because and still, be, because the Patriots here's, find a way. here's the difference. I'm, I'm going to push back on it's, you. Here's the difference. Lawyer Malloy, he plays in the secondary. He he makes a, okay, hang on. So defense makes a stop, you know, interception in their own 20, right? They flip the ball over, and now, now we now we have to score and go down the field. I mean, you're going to take Tom Brady every day of the week when you don't have that security blanket anymore, and you have sure. Mac Jones. You can get rid of Lawyer Malloy because the other team can st- score, and then Brady can go down the whole length of the field and score. So, it's, a lot of those holes in the bill we trust, yes. which I agree to some level for sure, 100. percent Like there are players he he can build up that are probably a lot better that a lot of people can't do. And he sees the game very differently than other head coaches. We know that. But as far as like, I think we're just a little too toxic with it. I think we need to stop demanding one product. W's. And at the end of last year, the last couple games, I think we saw Mac Jones get a little bit more freedom. And I think he he excelled in a few scenarios where we allowed him, we put the ball in his hands, we allowed him to drive it, go down the field, and try and make something of the game. And I think he he showed signs that he can be that guy. He he was not that guy last year. You didn't have any confidence in him for three quarters of the season that he was going to be able to go down and score. But towards the end of the year, I started to get the glimmers of hope. I started to see the potential. It's still not. It wasn't there. It's not on tape yet. But there were there were signs at least. Um, so if if what Bill Belichick says is true, 
and he really has dramatically improved. I think this year he could start to really unlock that. He could start to become the type of guy that you're comfortable putting the ball in his hands. I hope that's the case. We obviously haven't seen it yet over the course of a season, but um, I I certainly can't rule it out and say there's there's no way it's there or I doubt that it's there. Um, Haven't seen it yet, I agree, but um, it's... I, th- I think it still could be there, so I'm I'm willing to take this year as a uh, um, a little bit of a just kind of open-minded like I want to see some improvement from Mac Jones. Yep, it's rebuilding. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be rebuilding <laughs> if you have one of the best defenses in the National Football League. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, he he's, but, uh, he's a wizard. I'll give him that. But we'll we'll see how you he know. He's a wizard. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if yeah. that actually plays out. And Bill, uh, and Bill, we trust he's in the Bill. He's in the Bill camp. What's up? Kelly? I also think I also think you guys are underestimating the ability of the Jets to just screw it up so bad. <laughs> we can, and no, you're, you're complete, talking to me, com- not, not him. Complete trash. <laughs> I, I, that that also could be a very real thing. <laughs> just bad coaching no, all think, around. And I mean, I think the Jets and the Dolphins could go either way. I think I think yeah, either Dolphins of those teams too, both of them. could could shock the world. By being extremely good this year, um, I think that you know what, if it wasn't for Zach Wilson, if you could swap Tua and Zach Wilson, I'd say the Jets would be world beaters this year, because they they've really put some pieces together. They've drafted some really good defensive players recently. They've drafted some really good um, offensive players recently. I really like some of their signings last year: Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore. Um, this kid Sauce Gardner that they drafted from Cincinnati, mm-hmm. man, he he's like a, he's a baller. I, I don't know. Oh my God! Like talk about. I mean, these are these are college stats, but like I don't think he gave up a touchdown last year, like at all. His name is Sauce. Um, yeah, Sauce Gardner, dude. It's it's a mod. I think it's a mod Gardner, but they call him Sauce. And like, what a what a nickname! <laughs> How do you get that nickname other than being smooth as hell? Um, I lived in so a world yeah, where his I, mom I, named him Sauce, and you just gents, ruined that for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that offensive line is sneaky. Uh, I think, I mean, Brees Hall's a guy to watch for. I don't know. We could go on and on about that. But, um, yeah, I, if I had to pick Dolphins or Jets to surprise people this year, I'm picking Jets. So, Brian, yeah. what really um, matters is that the Titans, you know, get knocked out of the playoffs in the first round again by the Patriots. So... <laughs> We got, we got to move really on. I really like it we if got, they just don't even make the playoffs. Yeah, that would be even better. But we got to move on to the, <laughs> the final <laughs> segment of this piece, which is the QB all-time list. Um, I yes, asked Ryan I, to I gotta, come on here. You got you to ch- uh, chip out, Caleb? Yeah, I got to drop out, but I'll listen back to see what you guys say. All right, about. hell yeah. All right, thanks give for my, coming on, Give Caleb. my critiques for All right. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Sorry, definitely. Caleb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> later, All right, guys. Later. All right, so we're getting to the part of the show where we're going to do the QB all-time list, all right? And Brian Brian and I have both prepared a list, like I very much did last week with Caleb, um, in doing a list from 10 to 1. We're going to go backwards and give points and just go back and forth. Like, I'll do my 10, he'll do his 10, and we'll do the all-time QB list, um, what we think and reasons why. Maybe argue a little bit, maybe not. Maybe we're on the same wavelength, but... All right. All right. Be brave. Number Jump 10. right in. Give me your number 10. All right. So my number 10 quarterback is Dan Marino. Oh, man. So, All right. Give me your reasons for so this. So this is a guy I expect that most people would probably have in the in the conversation. I can imagine some people have him higher. Um, but for me, I look at 
kind of three things when I was building this list. I looked at stats. I looked at um, sort of titles and records. So like Super Bowls, MVPs. And then the third thing that I kind of just used as like almost a tiebreaker was just like how how big of like a like a leader of a field general, if you will, is this guy when you have him on the field. But um, I, I wanted most of the guys on this list to have the stats and the intangibles and kind of all of the above. So with Marino, obviously he's got the stats. At a time when guys were putting up 45,000 yards, he put up 60. Um, he won an MVP, but the kind of thing that knocks him a little bit, in my opinion, is is the Super Bowls, unfortunately. Um, and and the only only the one MVP for a guy that had more yards than just about anyone else at, at his time frame to only win one MVP um, and, and not get a Super Bowl title puts him a little bit lower on this list for me, but it's hard to deny the guy went out there and slung it. Like, if you were building a, a prototypical uh, football team and you wanted a guy at quarterback that was just going to, you know, chuck that thing around all day, Dan Marino has to be in your top three or four guys that you'd want uh, to just go out there and, and chuck the ball around the yard. So uh, so Dan Marino comes in at number 10 for me. Yeah. Um, so full disclosure, before we continue this, this is actually the first time I've ever talked to Brian in my entire life. Our criteria it almost lines up perfectly of how I did my list as well. Um, as far as the, what he just uh, spoke about, leadership, uh, stats, and titles, is actually kind of correlates to that exact thing. So, and I've never met Brian before, like in person. Or I've only really texted over uh, the Dynasty app, and this is the first mm-hmm. time we've we've spoken to each other. It's funny we're just getting on here yelling at each other about sports, but hey, my number ten is also Dan Marino. Hell yeah! We have the same, literally the same logic with this, where he deserves to be on the top ten all time because he was an unbelievable talent. He went to the Super Bowl, um, I think his first year in his career, and he ended up losing. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. he had an, an amazing career. He didn't win the big one, and he broke a lot of records during his time. He was a prolific pa- passer during his time, and he really dominated. He just never won the big one. So it's like, for me, he's got to be on the list, but here he is down at number 10. Um, Yep. I unfortunately don't have much more to say on that because it's kind of like we're at the same level there. So we're going to have to jump to your number nine right away. But I thought that was cool. But yeah, go go with your number nine. Yeah. So uh, here's a guy that played at just about the exact same time as Dan Marino. Um, didn't quite have the stats, but had a little bit more of the intangibles. Uh, I'm going to go with John Elway at my number nine. Okay. Um, so... It was a really, really tough decision at eight, at like kind of eight, nine, ten. But uh, Elway had a couple of Super Bowls. He still had some amazing stats for the time. Um, not quite the same sort of numbers that Marino had, but um, he he had records at the time. He was, I think, maybe the first guy to hit fifty thousand yards. Um, and he, you know, he was kind of a, a two-way player. Not quite as well known for it as like Steve Young type of guy, but he could run the ball a little bit too, so he was he was very much a kind of dynamic quarterback at the time, and obviously he's got those two championships that a lot of people know him for in the Broncos, um, led him to a couple more Super Bowls I think, but only won the two, um, and so 
for that reason, a little bit of a balance there between kind of the stats and the intangibles. I think I kind of think of Elway more of a little bit of a leader than Marino. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was really tough between the two of them, but I got Elway at number nine. Elway at number nine. All right, cool. We have different number nines here. My number nine is uh, America's great Dallas Cowboy, Troy Aikman. Um, okay, he, he's on my kind of honorable mentions. Okay, so yeah, he just he just made it on the number nine spot only because he won um, two championships and or sorry was that three three championships with the Dallas Cowboys. Two and or three. Two yeah. or three. I forget the exact number, but I also know that those teams specifically. I mean, all Super Bowl teams are very good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think a lot of the weight fell on his shoulders at all times. Um, and for me, th- it doesn't match up where he had a, and this is going to come back to play in the, t- in the top five, um, for some of my reasonings for, um, positioning purposes. But for me, Troy, Troy Aikman, it gets the number nine spot, um, definitely a dynasty, but it wasn't all about him. He wasn't the post poster boy, but he is the QB of that dynasty and he deserves to be in the list for me, um, or just right there at 11, 12. But really for me, I, when I went through the list over and over again, I couldn't keep him out. Um, not a really big Cowboys fan, not really, you know, th- those teams were great during that era. And so I feel like that they absolutely deserve Troy Aikman to be on this list. So he's number nine for me. Yeah, I think the only reason he stayed out for me was the stats really weren't quite as impressive as some of the other no, guys playing no, at the same not. time as him. And he he only played, I think, for like 11 seasons. And not that that's the, the be-all, end-all, but it is a little bit of a tiebreaker. Some of the guys that were able to play longer, I think, um, sometimes you give an edge to just in the in the uh, sense of, like, um, you know, the, the guys that I think are a little bit better, more talented, better prepared, I think are able to play longer. So it's a small tiebreaker, but those are kind of the couple of reasons he was sort of on the honorable mention list. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so who do you got for your number eight spot? So number eight, I have Drew Brees. Um, Drew Brees, uh, looking back at Dan Marino, very similar resume. You switched the MVPs in the Super Bowls. Drew's got one Super Bowl, no MVPs, which is kind of striking to me. But man, you could just cannot deny the stats. Uh, 80,000 yards, the first guy to do it, only surpassed by Terrible Tom. And... Uh, he is the true, I think, like one of the only guys, I think probably my number one guy when it comes to like, if you want to just build a fantasy football team, if you want to build a, a team of guys to just go out, have fun and chuck the ball around, Drew Brees is like my number one pick for who I want to have the ball in their hands. Um, so in the sense of like prototypical, like who's your guy throwing the ball to make the touchdown to score the play, like in that kind of uh, schoolyard fantasy world, Drew Brees is is my number one guy on that list, and so he deserved a spot. I gave him the edge over guys like Elway and Marino just because of how dominant of a passer he was in an era where passing was dominant, uh, and the stats he has are just unbelievable. Like I think he's the only guy in history to average 4,000 yards a season. It's insane. So uh, Drew Brees comes at number eight for me. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And Drew Brees was my honorable mention as well. He didn't make my list, but he definitely is in that conversation to be in top 10, so definitely not a knock at all. 
Um, he's a, he was an unbelievable player. You could insert uh, what I love about Drew Brees too is it's not a it's not a one trick pony. You're talking about multiple different wide receivers that are coming in there and connecting with them. And I do love QBs yeah. that are like that. It's like, all right, you know what? But what can you do with these wide receivers instead? Which is like uh, what I talked about in last week's episode with Patrick Mahomes. I can't wait to see what he does with Juju or Sky Moore, these these guys up and coming mm-hmm. now that Tyree Kill is gone. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. a really, really good point. Drew Brees was a master at building relationships with wide receivers and perfection. I used to always love watching those Pro Bowl um, videos of Drew Brees just he would or like, yeah, they, they do is like target practice and Drew Brees would always just be pinpoint accuracy on like all the targets wherever they needed to throw and you'd watch like some of the rookies come in and they're trying to battle and he'd just destroy people just a gunslinger just a gunslinger and the accuracy the, is just the king of the gunslingers for me <laughs> absolutely and his, yeah his downfield ball for his size it's just I don't even know how that man yeah. ever pulled that off he was just unbelievable um, alright my number 8 what do you got um the big Pittsburgh Steeler, Terry Bradshaw. And he gets on my list for, yeah, of course, winning four Super Bowls with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got to kind of put him low because those Steelers defenses were absolutely unbelievable. The stats kind of don't match regular season. He was a great, amazing quarterback, especially the game-winning touchdown in, uh, in one of the Super Bowls. I forget the wide receiver's name, but it was one of the best Super Bowls of all time. Um, and it, he's just... He obviously is a person that we see him a lot more as a person, like TV personality. But when you go back and you mm-hmm. watch his film, you see him play. And for me, he makes he makes it into the eighth spot and this high on the list because of that leadership role and quality of who he is and, and what he probably meant to that organization. And you know how you see the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers operate. It's just one after another. Dilf, defense building, quarterback steady, always have production, production, production. And... Terry Bradshaw is the pinnacle of the you know the Steeler Nation as far as uh, the quarterback. So for me, number eight, Terry Bradshaw. Who you got? In, uh, yeah, he's. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Comment. No, he's a he's another guy that's in that same sort of conversation with me as Aikman. I couldn't I couldn't put him in just quite, but he it would have been impossible to rank my top twelve because there would have been four guys that all would have been in that same sort of conversation. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so number seven. I have uh, the Minnesota great, or Wisconsin great. I think he's from Minnesota. Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Um, All right. Brett Favre. So uh, the difference maker here, moving up into kind of a slightly different class, was um, was just the separation in terms of how good he was compared to his peers for so long. He had better stats than just about anyone playing around the same time as him um he was the first for a lot of records that drew Brees and tom brady and peyton manning came along and broke um three mvp awards is kind of a a a a, a class separating number for me compared to some of the guys below him none of these other guys in the honorable mention category or the guys that we've talked about so far had three mvp awards uh and and he ended up getting his super bowl um, other than Marino and Breeze, everyone on this list has either an MVP or uh, or a Super Bowl, or all of them have both, pretty much. So, um, you know, Favre, uh, he'd probably be higher on this list with a couple more championships, but uh, he was the true essence of the guy you'd want to hand the ball to and have him run your offense, and just a dominant player for so long. Um, he's kind of got a little bit of everything, 
He's got the the championship caliber, the MVP stats, and uh, kind of the swagger that you want. There's just a couple of guys on the list ahead of him that I think embody all those same sort of qualities a little bit better. Okay. Well, I guess we agree on all facets because my number seven is also Brett Favre. And like you said, nice. the Super Bowl champion, three-time MVP, um, has to be on this list for me, 100%. I watched him growing up uh, play for the Packers and then seeing what he did with even the Vikings in that playoff game when he was at the helm there. Uh, you, you lived and died by Brett Favre. You know, you, you throw the ball up, he would do the craziest things and, and, and make it happen for you, or he would cost you the game. But at the end of the day, he's a three-time MVP, like you say, and that is a very tall task to do to win three MVPs in the NFL. Plus, he led his team to a Super Bowl, and you know the rest is history. I like his leadership quality, the culture he brought to the whole Wisconsin area, and how he still promotes the NFL and all the things that he does. But for me, on the field, if I had a top 10 of who am I going to have at uh, quarterback today, at number seven, Brett Favre. All right, number six. Who do we got for your number six? All right, number six is where it starts to get a little, uh, a little squirrely. A little squirrely, yeah. all right. Um, here's a guy that I, a lot of people may not have on their list. Uh, on, uh, a lot of younger guys maybe because he's kind of from the, from the older generation. But I did my homework, and I came up with Otto Graham at number six. So right. Otto Graham uh, was the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns of the All-American Football Conference and then the National Football League. Um, this guy was born like a few years after World War I ended. Uh, but what he did for the position was unbelievable. I mean, he this was a guy that threw, I think he threw four touchdown passes against the Rams in an NFL championship game when like throwing for two touchdown passes was rare. Um, he, he pretty much created what we think of as a modern quarterback. He went to 10 consecutive championship games with the Browns, most of them in the All-American Football Conference, but some of them in the, in the NFL before the Super Bowl era. Uh, he had three MVP awards, three, three championships. The stats were totally different, but it's because it was from a totally different time frame. He only played, I think, 11 years, and he went to like 10 championship games. Um, kind of the first uh, prototypical definition of what an NFL quarterback is. Um, from a guy that would like run the ball sometimes to a guy that you would trust to hang on to that thing and throw it downfield. Uh, so kind of redefined the position, was as dominant as you could possibly be at the time. And uh, yeah, it really sort of started to reinvent what we know of as the NFL quarterback today. So Otto Graham comes in at number six for me. Number six, all right, I like it. Um, number six for me is going to be John Elway. And you touched on him a little bit when you made him at pick. Was it pick eight or nine? What, which one was that? What'd you have, John Elway? Uh, nine for me. Nine for you. So he, he jumps up to number six for me only because of the multiple titles and the the leadership that I saw. So that was outside of the Patriots. I remember I was, I was super young when they played the Packers when Brett Favre beat us. But that was the first time I had watched the Broncos play in the Super Bowl and when the Terrell Davis year years and for me the way I hear other people speak about John Elway so with the stats the MVPs the the Super Bowl I feel like John Elway deserves to be in this number six spot as you know QB all-time list um 
not any higher than this. I think he's right on that cusp um, and ahead of uh, Brett Favre only because he has two championships instead of one. So, uh, sorry, three um, instead of uh, the one. So uh, do I think Brett Favre was probably a better quarterback? Yes, but uh, got a little bit more goes into it for me when you're talking this, this high caliber of player. So that's why I put him a, a bit higher than uh, Terry Bradshaw, Troy Aikman, and all them. For me, number six is John Elway, which you talked a lot about. So, um, yeah, that kind of wraps that one up for me. And then I'm going to flip here. I'm going to say number five first, and then you can follow Go with your it. number five. And the reason why I'm going to do that is because my number five is also Otto Graham um, playing for the Cleveland oh, Browns. Nice. So you were the only one who put him on your list. Um, absolutely. He had you know, three Super Bowls victories in the early years of the Super Bowls, and then also he won four AAFC championships. So, I mean, he's pretty much on par with Tom Brady with seven rings, you know? Um, so, But you said he had been to the championship 10, 10 times of the 11 times he, had, he played with yeah. his team. I mean, you wonder why the Cleveland Brown fans are so gung-ho about their team. I mean, this is the history. This is where Canton, Ohio... This is this is the reason why it lives and breathes. It's probably because, you know, Otto Graham in their, in their, their state... Um, really rises up to the challenge and competes on this list 100%. This guy's a legend. I did actually watch some film on him <laughs> as I was creating this list, and I was quite impressed. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a super nerd, knew all about Autogram. I knew a little bit about Autogram, but not much, and I was pleasantly surprised, and that's why I had to put him on my list just as you did, but I put him at number five. Um, so for you, Brian, who'd you go with at number five? Uh, all right, number five. I'm starting to think this one might be a little controversial. But no, we'll see. let's go. Um, so number five, I have Aaron Rodgers. Oh, there and, he is. And so Aaron Rodgers, for me, when you look at him in a vacuum, if you were to just Google players and not know anyone, he doesn't have as many yards as some of the guys he's coming close to in terms of years played. The stats aren't crazy. He's got four MVPs, which is amazing. It's an incredible accomplishment, but he's only got the one Super Bowl. And I think what really put Aaron Rodgers here for me on this list was the intangibles that are hard to measure. Um, the stat that sums it up the best for me, or the record that sums it up the best for me, is his passer rating and his interception percentage. When I think of a quarterback, I think of the guy that you entrust with the ball to run your offense, to lead your team. And the most important thing in the game is that ball. You want that person to take care of that ball. He's got the best passer rating of all time. He's got the lowest interception percentage of all time. He takes care of the football. And he consistently goes out there week after week, year after year, and gives his team a chance to win the game every single time he sets foot on the field. And probably gives his team a bigger advantage than I would... I would dare to say almost anyone playing the game currently. So, and you know, I think some of those stats could be better if he wasn't going up against some of the greatest of all time, um, which are further up on this list. But I, I got to believe there's more chances at Super Bowls in his future. And if he had another one or two, there's no question he'd be even higher on this list for me. Okay. So um, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. Um and yeah, I'm really curious to see what you get up at number four. All right. So I will say real quick about Aaron Rodgers, because I'm just going to let you know right off the top and for the listener, I did not put Aaron Rodgers on this list, but it might not be for like, yeah. hey, I don't think he deserves to be up here with the greats. I'll, I'll, I'll explain why I left him off the list is because his story is not 
fully set. So like Brady is on the list because his story is inevitable. It's it, it's already been told, the seven right. rings, all that kind of stuff, right? So for me, Aaron Rodgers, I didn't really know where to p- place him, to be honest. So uh, it's mm-hmm. like one of my honorable mentions. If you found a home for him, that's great. I have no problem with I, you having I him think, on this list. I think part of my assumption is that his story's not done and he's going to continue on the same path, which it could be wrong. Mm-hmm. If, if something happens and his story ended today, I think I would probably, in retrospect, have to move him down. But uh, I, I'm basing this off of what I what I know about him today and how I think he'll continue. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I don't disagree with you putting him on the list because he's gonna be on the list. Someone's gonna get bumped from this list because of Aaron Rodgers, if, even if he ended today. But I feel like it was hard for me to kind of gauge where I was gonna put him, so I left him off. All right. So now uh, number four, and this, <laughs> gosh, I don't know how this is gonna go. I'll keep it quick on this one, but uh, yeah. You win three MVPs and you win three Super Bowls. You gotta be, you gotta be in the top four. And from I, you know, I didn't see the man play, but from the things that I read, I was having a tough time between three through six. I would say of where I was gonna go, but not Johnny Unitas is is the player here yeah. at number four. And yeah. I had to, I had to put him here based on what I read and the stats and the knowledge that during his time and how dominant he was during certain games, especially playoff matches. I, I, I was like, all right, well, you know, this I, I can't really make a case for him to be above any of my top three. So here we go. He's got to be my number four. So uh, I'll just turn it over to you. Comments or who did you put at your number your number four? I also have Johnny Unitas at number four. Uh, I figured. Um, I mean, three MVPs. I th- he's got he's got a Super Bowl and then three NFL championships. So he was right around that transition era. Um but like one of the things that I think really moved him up my list a little bit was I was surprised at some of his stats given how long ago he played. I mean, this is a guy not quite Otto Graham's era, a little bit later I think. Mm-hmm. But like passing was not a fundamental part of the NFL back then, and the guy still threw for like forty thousand yards. Yes, which is a very respectable number that will come up again in another couple of spots uh, for some of the guys that were playing back in like the eighties were putting up like 40, 45,000 yards. And those were good numbers then. So uh, yeah, Johnny Unitas, I mean, what can you say? He kind of made the game what it is today, helped to really popularize it. Um, yeah. It's hard to argue with, uh, with the golden arm as they call him. Yeah. All right. The golden arm. Now we're going to move on to the top three here. And it's this getting, is where there could be some dicey. discrepancies. There could be some discrepancies here. Two and two and three were incredibly difficult for me. Okay, and I, I incredibly difficult. I'm gonna have to defend my case on some on mine too. I don't think you're alone on this. I think we're gonna probably shock a lot of people and probably each other. So, oh, um, maybe not. Maybe, yeah, maybe not. Maybe we're on the same wavelength. You know, we've been we'll we, see. we've hit a couple on the same. Um, all right, give me your number three. Well, I. Man, I went back and forth on this for so long. It was it was very difficult. But I think I said wait, 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 I think wait, wait. let me I'm going to I'm going to screenshot this. Hang on. I'm just going to I'm going to screenshot mean, this beforehand. I, if we don't have the same top I'm top just 3 at we least do. we we got to have the same <laughs> 3 players cuz if we don't have the same 3 players, this is bad. This is bad, yeah. Um but um am I about to get a message? Yeah. I'm not gonna. Or, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep it. I time hacked it on here. I'm gonna send it to you through there. Just don't look at it. All right. That way you're not. Okay. You're not. No. I mean, 
But go yeah, ahead. Tell me your number three. <laughs> all right. So number number three for me is Peyton Manning, and it's it's it come it's going to come down to the tiebreaker that I kind of talked a little bit and alluded to earlier. The stats are incredible. Five MVPs, seventy thousand yards. Like these are you know elite numbers. Some of the best of all time. He won his two Super Bowls. Um, the the kind of tiebreaker between him and what's above him for me is he was he was probably I would I would shudder to say but I think he was probably the greatest like coordinator field general so to speak of all time when it comes to like putting someone under center and letting them run your offense however when you get into this territory everyone is incredible and I think you you have to look at if you just looked at, hey, it, you get one pass. I'm going to put the ball in someone's hands, and you need someone to go out there and someone that you're going to have, like, real confidence in. Who are you picking? And the, the tiebreaker was kind of that, like, clutch factor for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he comes in at number, number three instead of number two. But I went back and forth for hours earlier today between one and two. And I... It's I don't want to take anything away from him because it's 2A and 2B for me. He's probably the best of all time when it comes to someone that's going to dissect and break down a defense. I think he probably knew more than some coaches and, and longtime coordinators when he was running those offenses for the Colts and the Broncos. Um, it's, it was really, really, really tough. Um, I think if my guy at number two had played in the same era as Peyton and Brady, you would probably have bigger numbers out of him, and it would be a much easier decision to make, potentially. But that's, I got Peyton Manning at number three, and um, if someone wanted to put him at number two, I would not be uh, shocked or disappointed, but that's, that's what I got right now. Okay, so the list is out on the table pretty much as you danced around the topic. But yeah, my number three is Joe Montana and my number two is okay. Peyton Manning. So we're yeah. we're we're uh have that we do have that little tweak in difference. So I'll just we'll we'll just go to two and three here. And so I'll talk a little bit about Joe Montana and I've had this um conversation multiple times on a podcast. Uh, I used to do another podcast called uh, Boss Sports and um that was with Jared and Ryan and we used to talk yep. about this all the time and, and Jared brings up a lot of great points when uh, Jared the whole Jerry Rice formation so like you said we're you know we're splitting hairs at this point these are the greatest we've yep. ever seen in our life right so yep. he got to spend an entire career with Joe Montana got to spend an entire career pretty much with Jerry Rice and he won his four rings and I'm, I'm not saying that Joe Montana's not clutch he's not this he's not that I just have some cool little nuances where Peyton Manning dominated and he also played in the same time as Brady and he had to play against Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick defenses. So for me, what would it be like if, you know, Peyton didn't have that AFC nab in his way year after year after year? What would have happened? You know, I feel like Peyton Manning maybe could have won even more and probably been above him. So it's, it's tough for me to say and obviously I'm talking about roster creation and stuff like that. I just think that Joe had a little bit of advantage to the greatest wide receiver of all time as we call him and then the greatest um quarterback of all time. At one point he was called, but now with the new 
Brady and Manning coming into the conversation, it changes a little bit. And there's a lot of people who won't even consider Peyton Manning being over Joe Montana, but I do. And like you said, you didn't mind if someone has him like that, which it's, I'm glad you're open-minded I, about the whole topic. He was number two on my list for at, – at the at the beginning of the morning, he was number two on my list. And I, I went back and forth so many times because – so what it, what it came down to for me was I thought about like – at, at the at the times where it really mattered the most, I think it's hard to say I wouldn't put the ball in Joe Montana's hands, and it's just because it's proven. Like I yeah. think, I think Peyton had a few games in his playoff career where you were disappointed in his performance, and yes, some of them were against incredible Bill Belichick defenses where they were game planning for him all year. And that is a huge part of it. I, I also had that kind of in my back pocket ready to defend uh, that position because it's it's true. I mean, imagine you don't have to go up against one of the greatest of all time a couple times a year, especially in the mm-hmm. playoffs. Like, I, I do think he would have had more. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a confidence thing for me. And I think that it's it's a swagger thing and i think that's it's almost it's it's more important to the nfl team itself but it's important to the fan too um is you you gotta have a guy that you just know joe cool you have that confidence in joe cool comeback kid like and and you look i think some of my maybe it's just me but a lot of my favorite players of all time in different sports are just those guys that you know that when the going gets tough the tough get going and you wouldn't have it any other way but to have them be at the center of it all. David and Ortiz, so let's go. I think, yeah, David Ortiz, exactly. Like, yeah. talk about clutch. Um, so I think, I think you know, if you were going to make the argument for Peyton Manning, for sure, he's so smart, he's so well put together, his stats were incredible. Um, but I think if he had showed a little bit more, just a little bit more um, clutchness, and I think part of it for me it has to come down to this second super bowl at the broncos i mean he didn't look good at the end he the wheels he were falling off bowl. they were <laughs> falling off at the off the back of an incredible defense i mean without that defense with von miller and everyone else like i mean if if you were to throw that out of the equation and he's only got one super bowl this argument becomes a lot easier to make to put him at three so yeah, it it's does. tough. I mean, he's, I think he's incredible. If he didn't do what he best. did, what what Manning did before the previous year, and he broke Brady's record for the all-time touchdown record in a yep. single season, and he just played unbelievable. His arm started to fall off that second year, um, but he won the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. That was my other, uh, just my main point was we saw both Tom Brady and Peyton Manning both leave their starting organizations, go to another team and win a Super Bowl. Now, I will definitely, yeah. you know, talk about how Manning didn't, you know, his arm was falling off. But the, the year before, he was definitely, you know, MVP and lightening it up and just destroyed the league that year. And it was just such an exciting not for me. I didn't like it. But for other people to who you know <laughs> like the Denver Broncos and to see Peyton Manning succeed, it was you know it was a, it was a light show. And I mean that's what it comes down to. They have two different things. I just think to myself, what would Manning would have been in in without Belichick and Brady up his ass in the AFC? What would it have been like if Manning 
was able to play with uh, Marvin Harrison, what would it have been like if Tom got to play with Randy Moss his entire career? And I think that really changed, like that type of talent, like how much would it have changed? And I think it would have changed a lot, you know, but we can't play the what if game. So at the end of the day, I don't mind being that three, two, one for you. You've got Manning, Montana, Brady. I've got Montana, Manning, Brady. So, and then of course, Tom Brady, we're Patriots fans. We don't even need to talk about this. Like, cheers, brother. I mean, like we're we're killing it. What can you say that hasn't already been said? I mean, the, the best way I think to sum it up is any metric you want to look at to try to measure who would be the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady is well in the conversation of the top two or three yeah, at that position. You're living underneath a rock. Aspect. You're living under a yeah, rock I mean, if you don't like, think he's the greatest. There's there's no box he doesn't tick is the thing. Like you look at anyone else, you know, Manning, okay, he's got the MVPs, he didn't quite have the Super Bowls. Um, you know, Montana, he, he won the, the Super Bowls, but you could say he had a great team around him and he didn't really have a whole lot of adversity. There's there's always a box you can uncheck for just about everyone else. But Brady has just done it all. He's done it time and time again. He's done it longer than anyone else. He's got the stats to back it up. It's like I can see how maybe five years ago there are people that were still doubting it. But how do you how do you make it? How do you make the argument now that he's yeah. not the best? He's three. It's, he's three game-ending plays away from being a ten-time champion in the modern era. Yep, and fairly the other way as well. He's of course. a couple of game-ending plays away from being a four-time Super Bowl champion as opposed to a seven-time, which, oof. Fair, like that fair would, enough. That'd be a shocker. <laughs> He'd only be tied with Montana and Unitas on that list. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible, too. Like, when you think about the longevity, like, I think a lot of people that don't put the time in and do the homework, like, I think, we have here it'd be very easy to say oh well he just played for a long time so obviously he's going to have bigger stats and better numbers and things like that but like it's not easy yeah cool i'd like uh, to see i'd like to see you play in the nfl for 23 years for for one year even i know right (laughs) i mean it's like you look at some of these guys and actually it was it was a slight factor for me like if if i needed a tiebreaker you know, if a guy played 10 or 11 seasons versus another guy that played 17 seasons, it's like, that's not easy to do. An NFL team thought you were one of the best 30 passers of the ball for 17 years as opposed to 11 years. Or eh, maybe you retired early because you were just done. But, like, yeah. the mental drive that you have to have to stay at that level for that long, I exactly. what is there to argue with? You can't all be Andrew Luck retiring at 12 years old, you know? We just can't all be it. Yeah. So <laughs> we got to make sure that we can uh, have that longevity because it's important. Much to the chagrin of Dynasty football players <laughs> yeah. because that was a thing that we had to contend with when we first drafted our Dynasty League. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. That's a tough one. So, all right, yeah. we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much, Brian, for coming on the show. I really appreciate your help here. And I'm excited for the future once, you know, some of our league mates listen to this back, maybe disagreements, maybe they think we're complete idiots and they come on the show and try to contest. And then whatever whatever, whatever else we get into this season, because as the NFL season starts, the podcasts keep rolling. So thanks for listeners for uh, taking, you know, listening to Project Sports. Check out my Instagram page. I'm on Spotify and Apple. Um, thanks, guys. Take care. When I left the house, I dropped a frozen 16-ounce water bottle right on my ankle. Specifically 16 ounces.
Well, I'm just saying it wasn't like an eight ounce or a 12 ounce little rinky dink thing. It's a big old bullet boy. Well, when you think about it, Tim, if it's frozen, there's four more ounces in there, and that has creates more inertia down to my foot from the top of my fridge. It's probably the wind and the feedback we're hearing on your side of the microphone. Oh, I can hear you so good now. Yeah, because I'm yelling. Wait a minute. Is a, fro a frozen bottle? A frozen bottle is heavier than a regular Yeah, it was frozen. That's Does that true. make it heavy? I was, I was gonna question. I was gonna question that as well, Caleb, but I decided not to bring it. Does it really? Who the hell is that? Who the hell is questioning me? <laughs> that would be that would be Brian, aka you're, Finn, the, your arch nemesis, producer. You're the, Pro the bane of your existence, producer. <laughs> producer Tim, will you look into if a frozen water bottle weighs more? Shut up. Don't worry, I'm getting away from the dogs. If it's the same weight, it's the same weight. No, but when it's because it listen, picture this. It actually does not weigh more. <laughs> five pounds. I was just trying not to. Right, it doesn't five. weigh more. <laughs> no, but listen. But it probably feels when it's, worse. When it's, thank you. When it's not frozen, it's like a memory foam mattress. Right, yeah, it would just curve around my ankle. I'm looking at like a 32 ounce stainless this, steel iron flask, and that would hurt just the same every time. <laughs> same thing. Exactly. Same thing. That's yeah. basically what it felt like. Oh, All right, Tim, what are the topics? Do you want my hot take? Yeah, I want your hot take. Well, we are doing the top 10. Well, I got a couple. QBs. Are you aware? All time QBs? Yeah, all time. I don't think a charger made it onto my list. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just didn't. Drew Brees is on there? You're a little quiet for me. Uh, Drew Brees. <laughs> Caleb, is Tim a little quiet for you? Is he yeah, quiet? Yeah, Here, he I'll turn my mic up. Yep, Here, is this better? Too. Is this better? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, much better. That's okay. Impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let me. Uh, let me turn that up there. You don't <laughs> my bad. You don't have Eli Manning, or there is a Charger that made it onto my list, but it's not what he's known. Eli Manning. Eli, or is it? It's probably Drew Brees. No, better than better than that. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. We can oh, Eli, yeah. Oh, Rivers. Rivers. Um, yeah, okay. What was the name of the Bruins coach that just got fired? Sweeney. Don Sweeney. Don, Don Sweeney. See, I think Cassidy's going to come back because they hated each other. Mm. No, sorry. Don Sweeney's the GM. Oh, yeah, that's right. Or Cassidy's GM. Cassidy's oh, not that GM. Not that big of a Bruins fan, I'm sorry. Yeah. We know, we know that know those enough. are okay. definitely the names that are involved in it. Caleb, well, let's go to the expert. Caleb, <laughs> what do you think? Dude, I know nothing about hockey, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Bruce, Bruce Cassidy was the one they let go. Don Sweeney is the GM. That's fair. Are we uh, recording right now? Because well, I'm embarrassed right now if, yeah. I just, if that's on air. <laughs> it's, it, this is definitely, I've recorded for about three four minutes here it's it just for the part of jake, jake crashing the show i'm just going to keep this in but maybe towards the end of the show <laughs> see i was i was going to say here we go tim's going to cut all this out embarrassment out of the way let's talk about some stuff i actually know about it <laughs> oh